I'm Marianne Kobusak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with privacy attorney Kirk Nara of the law firm Wiley Rhine. Kirk will be discussing the significance of proposed legislation in New York State to amend its data breach notification law, as well as the significance of a recent enforcement action by the New York State's Attorney General's Office related to a recent breach involving health data. So now, Kirk, in a statement about the emblem enforcement case, the New York State AG's office used the occasion to promote breach legislation that the AG's office introduced last November. The New York State AG's office says the Stop Hacks and Improve Electronic Data Security Act, or SHIELD Act, looks to, quote, improve New York's weak and outdated security laws. So what's your take on this proposed breach legislation? And when it comes to health data, how does this compare with what HIPAA requires, for instance, if this law actually passes? So a couple of different points there. I mean, what the Attorney General is talking about is a modification to New York's existing data breach notification law. I'm not sure I'd say that law is outdated. It's sort of right in the mainstream of where those laws tend to be. But they're proposing to add a couple of important changes. The focus of at least his discussion in the context of this most recent case is that he's actually turning the breach notification law in a slightly different direction. The breach notification law, like most of those laws around the country, tell companies when they have to notify individuals about a security breach. What New York is proposing to add, a number of other states have this, but what New York is proposing to add is something before the breach happens, which is basically to require companies to implement reasonable and appropriate information security practices, with the idea being, if you have better security, you're not likely to have data breaches that will then require notice. So they're adding that idea. Again, probably I'm going to make up a number a little bit, but roughly eight or 10 states have provisions like that. It is a very general statement. You made a reference to the HIPAA laws for the healthcare industry. The HIPAA security law is a very detailed program, so it's a very different idea, but in the first instance, they want to add security practices. Then they also want to change the notification part to include some additional kinds of information that will be subject to data breach notification requirements. So the New York State proposal would affect more than just the healthcare industry? Absolutely. I mean, like most of the state laws, the data breach notice provisions apply to essentially any company that has information about a New York resident. So it would cover it would cover banks, it would cover healthcare companies, it would cover retailers, it would cover employers, it would cover schools, it covers everybody. And in fact, one of the things they're adding in this proposal is adding the idea of health information. You don't need that for the healthcare industry because we already have HIPAA breach notification. So, you know, it might have an impact in situations where there's health information that is outside of HIPAA. Clearly, that's something that exists. But yeah, it's a general breach notification law and a general set of information security standards with the idea being that every business needs to do something, but we're not going to try to tell the neighborhood store that they have to do the same kind of thing as a major global bank or a huge hospital system. So you mentioned that there's a number of other states that have various laws on the books. 
What is the status of other states introducing new or enhancing existing data breach laws, and which states are considered the toughest in this area? It's a tricky question. I mean, almost every state now has a breach notification law. They started in California roughly a decade ago and have sort of rolled out across the country over time. We're up to 49 now. So sort of every state has their own law at this point, or just about every state has their own law. They certainly cover some similar grounds. I mean, most of them started by being identity theft kinds of laws. And so there was a requirement for breach notification when you had a security breach involving particular categories of information that might lead you to identity theft risks, like a social security number, a credit card number, bank account numbers, things like that. What we've seen over time is that states have been sort of adding to those requirements. California now, for example, has included health information in their law. There's a a number of other states that have included health information. Some states are starting to include other kinds of data elements, driver's license, you know, mother's maiden name, passwords, things like that. We're also seeing some states add specific data security requirements. You've got this New York proposal, which is a very general requirement. There are laws, particularly I think the most uh, extensive one is in Massachusetts, that have very detailed data security practices. Then you have other provisions that may be stricter in other states. For example, some of the states require notice not only to individuals, but also require notice to the state attorney general. Many of those states have a threshold of 500 or 1,000 residents. A number of states, New York included, have a threshold of one. So it was sort of interesting when the the attorney general talked about how many security breaches they have notice of. That's because you're required to tell the attorney general if you have a security breach that involves even one New York resident. So that's a strict requirement. It's a bit of an odd requirement only because it's very unlikely that a state attorney general is going to do anything about a breach that involves one person. They really, there's no need for that in most situations. So it's a little bit strange. But what, what companies tend to have to deal with is the fact that they have to meet the requirements of multiple state laws. But not every breach involves 50 states. Lots of breaches certainly go beyond one state, but if you've got to deal with, you know, six or eight or 10 or 15 or 30 state laws, that becomes a real challenge. Kirk, you mentioned that with all these different states having all these different requirements, on top of that, how does GDPR kind of fit in, at least what the healthcare sector needs to deal with in terms of all these various requirements? Well, GDPR is an interesting example for the healthcare industry. GDPR is the new set of privacy laws that are going into effect in Europe in May of this year. I've been getting a lot of questions about whether, quote, the healthcare industry even has to worry about GDPR. And I could certainly tell you that lots of portions of the healthcare industry don't really have to worry about GDPR. If you're a doctor in New York or in Oklahoma or in Pittsburgh, you don't have to worry about GDPR. You're not doing business in Europe. You're not soliciting patients in Europe, et cetera. Even, even significant hospital systems and significant health insurers don't really have to worry about GDPR. So lots of the healthcare industry doesn't have to worry about that. It's the people that are, again, you you have to worry about GDPR if you're doing business in Europe or if you're getting information about people who are from Europe or if you're sort of making a marketing pitch. I mean, I saw references to one hospital that is a, a significant 
prominent hospital who was basically trying to attract European consumers to come to their hospital because they have specialties in certain areas. That company is going to have to be worried about GDPR, but lots of healthcare companies won't. In the security breach situation, one of the big changes from GDPR is that that law is going to require notice to European data protection authorities within 72 hours of a security breach, which was a very strict time frame and, and actually much stricter than essentially anything we see in the United States. And Kirk, going back to the enforcement action by the New York State AG against Emblem, that enforcement action or that settlement came on the heels of another recent settlement, $1.15 million with another insurer who had a similar type of mailing breach where sensitive information was visible on the outside of envelopes. Why do you think these kinds of paper mailing mistakes keep happening? And is there an enforcement pattern developing for these kinds of breaches, especially at the state level? It's hard to say why they keep happening. You would think that, you know, one of the messages I send to people I work with is make sure you're paying attention to what's happening to other people. And so when you read about this case and other cases, every company who sends out mailings like this should be reevaluating how they are doing those mailings. And for example, I'm not quite sure why people are still using window envelopes in any of these settings. There's sort of two problems that were identified in this particular case. One was that they had a window envelope in general, which obviously means something inside the envelope can be seen. Second, they had a problem with the printing of the letters so that there was a number that had connections to the social security number on it. So all of these are signals to companies to say, oh, we better pay particular attention to this because it's becoming an issue for people. And so, you know, we see throughout the various governmental agencies that can enforce privacy and security rules, they often don't go after the first company that has a problem. They might go after the second or the third, but if you're the seventh, you're going to get hit (laughs) because they're going to say you should have known better. So, Kirk, this emblem case involves HIPAA. Is it unusual for state AGs to get involved in enforcing cases that involve HIPAA violations? It has been pretty unusual. I mean, the states have specific authority to do HIPAA enforcement. That was something that they had informally before the high-tech law went into effect, and they had formal authority after the high-tech law went into effect. But we haven't really seen the states do very much of this. And so, you know, it's interesting when they do a case that is specifically premised on a violation of the HIPAA rules. I have lots of potential concerns about state AGs in this area. We know that The main federal agency that deals with HIPAA, which is the HHS Office for Civil Rights, we know that they are knowledgeable about the healthcare industry. They are thoughtful about how they do their enforcement. They look at not only what happened, but how you investigated the problem, what you learned from it, how you've improved your practices, what your history is, a lot of things like that before they take enforcement action. What we don't know about the state AGs is how they're going to substantively look at these violations. We don't know whether they have the ability to understand on a broader level what the healthcare industry is doing. We don't know if they will factor in a company's history or their or the company's mitigation activities or the company's lessons that were learned. And so I worry a little bit if the states start to do more on HIPAA issues. And it's certainly possible that we're going to see that in general because that's part of a 
I would call it a small trend at this point, which is the states stepping in in places where there may be a sense that the federal government is going to do less on enforcement. So I would look at this case not as anything particularly important just on its own, but if this is the start of some more increased activity by the states in the HIPAA area, that's something that I would want to pay a lot of attention to. And one last question, Kirk, what's your feeling about whether this New York State Shield Act will become law? Any predictions? No real ideas on that. I mean, I think these are laws that certainly have some sort of popular appeal, but there's also a lot of duplication in these laws, and they're covering ideas that are addressed by other laws as well. And for example, this action that was taken just right now with Emblem Health is a situation where the Attorney General is able to bring a case even without those additional provisions. So it's not really clear that that a lot of that is necessary. Thanks, Kirk. I've been speaking to Attorney Kirk Nara. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.